And I think that music, if I'm honest, plays a part in making everybody okay with that song versus if you if if the music wasn't that maybe maybe they you know if it was a different arrangement would they receive the song in the same way i think music has the power to move in people in such a special way and it has the power to manipulate and i think the church is guilty of of doing sometimes manipulating people and trying to create a moment with music rather than just having a little bit more humility and understanding that as human beings and as people who really connect in that way, let's, let's show a bit of respect and understanding that this is, this music has power, but we also know these lyrics are what we're, this is the focus of what we're trying to do as a church. Welcome to Undiscussed, the show where we talk about things Christians should talk about, but often don't. Welcome to the Undiscussed Podcast. Uh, this is a show where we talk about things Christians should talk about, but often don't. Well, and that doesn't mean, as we always say, that they never talk about it, but it's, uh, it's often undiscussed. And uh, if your community talks about these things, then we applaud that. And, uh, you know, as we were saying just before the show, we have talked a lot about uh, some heavier topics today. We've got a lighter one talking about music and art and culture in the church and outside the church. And we've got a very special guest with us. We've got Zach from Citizens. And uh, so welcome. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, welcome to Toronto. What do you uh, what do you think of our beautiful city so far? It's a great city. Yeah. I got in pretty late last night, so I didn't get to see a whole lot. But then as we were walking out this morning, I saw the big Toronto sign with the ice skating rink out there. Yeah. And then I'm not even sure. Is it just kind of pieced together? Like We always, uh, they actually change the theme of it all the time. Okay. Like the, the sign's always there, but they'll light it up differently okay. based on, you know, it was great. events that are happening. It was great. This is definitely a better location for like the Toronto feel. We used to be in Richmond Hill and it's kind of like more suburby and just, okay. like, just like restaurants everywhere. But Nathan Phillips Square, you got the big Toronto it's sign, awesome. you got good, here you guys get like good coffee, right? Yeah. From Seattle, it's like the And I'm like the one capital. weird Seattle person that doesn't drink coffee. Oh man, what do you um, do? Like, like you're anti or you just don't like it? <laughs> just or? don't, I don't even drink, I, oh man, I don't even drink caffeine, which is weird, but I, I just don't, it like messes with me in the okay. worst way. So, <laughs> so, so I just usually when someone says, Hey, you want to go grab coffee? Yeah. I, I just get tea. I guess or something. Do you think you know? the co- like coffee is a bit overrated? I think coffee smells wonderful. Oh yeah, yeah. But then when I try it, I'm kind of like, yeah. It's hard to argue with the smell of coffee. It yeah. it all. So you think this about bacon? I know Pat, but coffee always promises more than it delivers. Yeah. And uh, but yeah. I'm I I didn't drink coffee until I was about 32, okay. 33, okay. and now the last five six years yeah. I, I've uh, I've gone I've gone. You're there. I'm there. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, I had a great grandpa who. Uh, didn't start drinking coffee till he was like 85 or something like that. Oh, so. Wow. <laughs> yeah. When I first started, I, I would get like the shakes. Yeah. And uh, my boss told me, oh, that just means you need more. And, <laughs> and I was like, no, no way. No way. I don't need more of those. Yeah. But uh, so I don't need coffee, but I like it. So I drink it probably like yeah. every other day or so. And uh, I... I love the, a little, uh, I'll give a plug to a little Peruvian uh, fair trade mm. farm. Uh, it's called Feminino. 
that our local roastery okay. uh, does has a partnership with them, and I think it's a little slice of heaven. Okay, <laughs> but yeah. uh, I'll enjoy the smells then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot to enjoy with that. But uh, yeah, we're talking to you, Zach, today. Uh, we wanted to talk about you know Christianity and art and culture and music and how that all intersects. And not, we not just coffee, not just coffee. No, <laughs> although that's a part of it. Like Christian culture and coffee, they're like. And we're not drinking coffee right now. So. I know we're drinking water here. We're not yeah. even practicing what we preach. Um, but yeah, we wanted to talk to you about this because you are in a band, uh, Citizens. You're the front man. You're your lead guitarist. You used to be a the, the worship leader, worship director at Mars Hill Church a while ago, right? Yeah, I was. Yeah. How how long ago? I've only ever been there one Sunday. I was oh, in Seattle, okay. and I I, I want to know if I was there when you were there. Oh man, uh, so I was there from 2011 to till 2000. It was either 14 or 15. Basically, I was there until um, like a few months before Mars Hill ended. Imploded. Imploded, yeah. <laughs> right, that's a yeah. good way of putting it. Yeah. Um, and so in that time, basically the band started like right when I got to Mars Hill, which is kind of crazy. But when were you there? I was there in 2010. So sad. Just, just missed you. Oh. Just and and Mark wasn't even there oh, the no Sunday I was there. I was like, come on. So I like drove from uh, Vancouver down to Seattle basically to see Mark preach and like do a little sightseeing. And so I got the sightseeing in. Yeah. But the other part didn't happen. Yeah. Dang. Yeah, it was okay, though. So yeah. did the band form, like, were you guys a worship team that then decided to carry it into, like, just a, a band? Or how did that we, come together? We just started as a band with the intent of serving at the church. And uh, I don't know. It was, we had the, kind of a weird beginning because we, Marcel had a, through their website, like a thing set up to where we could share songs from you know a sunday like a live um service and so we started sharing some of those songs like a month into the band uh being a band and so one of the original keyboard players he was only only in the band for about six months but he actually he's the one who rewrote our version of in tenderness and so we had that and amazing grace like all these hymns basically and we put those on the marshall website and you know, they would check the stats and see, wow, a lot of people are listening to this band. And so we recorded an EP uh, a few months later. And to our surprise, like a bunch of people were really into that. So, I mean, I feel like we started as a church band with really not a whole lot of um, <laughs> vision for what it could be beyond that. Yeah. And honestly, what made us become, or what made us more of a official band, I guess, was just people liking our music and wanting us to make more. and. The opportunity to go and share, like play live, you know, for a lot of places. So by the time Marcel ended, we we kind of had a choice, you know, it's are we going to keep doing this thing? Or are we going to stop? And everybody, because um, at this point, the current members of the band, Adam and Nathan and, and Brian and Spence, they've all been in the band basically from the beginning. Um, and so we've been to that same unit for all these years. And we, we decided, you know, we talked about it. Should we keep doing this? And it was unanimous. And we just said one sort of caveat in it all is that we're not going to, um, we're just not going to treat this as, as each thing is a stepping stone to something bigger. Um, but we're just going to be content with whatever God does through it and um, enjoy it and not kill our families in the process. So, 
that's been really awesome. In fact, we had a conversation a couple weeks ago where one of the guys was like, how long do you think we'll do this for? Yeah. It's like, I don't know. Like, I guess we could do this for a long time because, you know, we all feel healthy in it. And, and you know, it's it's a really, like, I don't even say this to brag, but I think it's really interesting. A lot of people will often tell us, will make a comment about just how they'll notice how we have such a, a great friendship as a band. Especially were friends. you friends first and then a band or uh, band first? The and then? band kind of forged the friendship, yeah. which is really inter- interesting. Yeah. So it's kind of, uh, you know, like blind dating, you know, and, and to an extent as far as the relationship goes. But yeah, we 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 formed that. Uh, we formed a relationship over music, and that was a cool love. But then I think what made it so unique is none of us really listened to the same music, mm. <laughs> so we didn't even really form a bond over that. It, I think the friendship thing just kind of happened really naturally early on. So we've had that for a lot of years and all of our families are really close. You know, all of us have kids and it's a, it's a cool, um, it's just a really unique thing to, um, just have five or four people, you know, for me, four people that I travel with and we have a lot of just really funny conversations, but also meaningful ones. And it's not, you know, I, I couldn't even really tell you a time that we've had, you know, an intense conflict. You know, we've we've had conflicts, but it's never grown to something really major. And so I think God's just made it be, uh, given us just a spirit of unity throughout the whole time. And that's been really cool. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm interested in, in hearing a little bit about how, like, all your different music tastes have kind of impacted your sound. Before I ask that, yeah. Joe, though... I- I want to know who's got the worst taste in music. You say <laughs> you're alone here, so you can you can totally I, throw someone. Under I the think bus. that it's changed a lot now, but I would say early on, uh, the person who had the worst taste in music was definitely Nate, our bass player. <laughs> What's, how, what does that mean? Like, what, what were his? Well, uh, I think that a lot of the music that he was into was like he's from the Bay Area in California, and he did he played in a lot of like grindcore like punk sort of bands. Not that they not all that all that's bad cuz we all like it in different ways <clears throat> or some of us like it in different ways. <laughs> um, but I would say he was usually the odd man out if he would say, "Oh man, have you checked out this band?" Yeah. <laughs> None of us would really be into it. <laughs> but now I would say we all have a pretty we all listen to similar music and that's probably just from spending time together, yeah. sharing songs and finding sim- so mm-hmm. I would say there's probably only a few bands that we would unanimously say, oh, we love that. Uh, but we still all have sort of our individual tastes as well, which I think is what makes our music mm-hmm. sort of eclectic. It, I think if you were to take my voice out of it, and it, probably in any band, but if you were to take my voice out of the equation, uh, if you go from track to track on a lot of our songs, it's kind of all over the place a little bit. It takes you on a little bit of a journey. And I like that about our music. I like that it, it kind of isn't just one flavor. Um, so, so that's, I, and, and that's really just the influence of all the, like early on in the band, we would spend so many late hours trying to arrange songs and work on them. And we have, um, like, you know, we probably spent 30 hours trying to write an arrangement for in tenderness or amazing grace and nothing but the blood. And that really wasn't because nobody, it wasn't that none of us could play music. It was just that <laughs> we didn't know how to play together and it took a lot, a really long time. So, 
Yeah. I cut you off, though. So. Well, the question I wanted to ask is, uh, you guys have, have gone through some name changes, right? We have. You were, were you citizens and then citizens and saints, and now you're back to citizens? Yeah. Uh, why? <laughs> <laughs> why? The return of uh, the original citizens Our name. sainthood is gone. It's been revoked. Um, it's been revoked. <laughs> uh, we Okay, so we started as citizens, and then, um, yeah, there was just another band named Citizens. Um. I mean, you know, if we're talking about uh, just putting all the cards on the table, I mean, really what happened is I resigned from Mars Hill, and the same day that I resigned from Mars Hill, some people at Mars Hill uh, handed me a letter that they had been hanging on to for a year oh. that was from a lawyer from this other, from the label of this other band, Citizens. Right. Uh, the, uh, sorry, the, they were on a label uh, in the U.K., and the lawyer for that label was sending a letter along saying, you guys need to change your name. And, and Marcel hadn't done anything about it. They just it. held off. They didn't know. Like, they you they know, didn't they do just, anything about it. Huh. So the day that I resigned, they handed me this letter. Oh, geez. And I was really freaked out because uh, one of the things that when I resigned from Marcel that my wife and I felt um, just deeply, uh, we just had a deep, uh, just deep, I, I don't know, like this conscious conviction and that was that the wrong thing to do would be hey there's a lot of bad stuff happening here we need to talk about this and but we're leaving the church and then just go and find another job at a church to pay the bills like that just felt so disingenuous to what we actually felt we were called to so we felt strongly no we need to stay in seattle and god will provide and he did that through citizens and through other music things too um, but nevertheless, I was leaving Marcel with no job. And so uh, when they handed me this letter, I was pretty freaked out. Like, what am I going to do? Yeah, understandably. And, yeah. And so we started reaching out to the band directly, um, and we worked out something together, and we just decided, hey, let's just do Citizens and Saints. Um, this way we're not dropping Citizens and the two together. They make sense and they yeah. work. Um, but then, you know, years later, just kind of deciding – hey, uh, we don't have to, after doing a lot more research and realizing we probably didn't need to change our name to begin with um, for a number of different reasons, just decided we're going to go back to it and because that's kind of how we see ourselves. Uh, that's how we started, and we like that name a lot. Um, and we've always kind of called ourselves citizens. Citizens and Saints was more of just like, you know, the official, a functional the official name. sort of and, thing yeah. to just kind of, tiptoe around whatever issue we, we might need to. And it's funny because a lot of people jumped on to our music as citizens and saints. Yeah. Yeah. And so to them, there are some people that are like, whoa, that, this is a big deal. And I understand that because probably to them, our name is citizens, citizens and saints has a lot of significance. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, but for us, the greater significance was in how the band started. Like we, we named it citizens because we said, uh, it comes from Ephesians 2, but the whole premise of it was, let's not make this about a band, let's make this about the people that belong to God singing praise to God. And so um, all of us are citizens, you know, so that was the, the whole idea of it. Um, and so, I don't know, we just kind of wanted to... That's so helpful, because <laughs> yeah. I, I just learned something, because when we were setting up the website and stuff for the yeah. conference... Um, 
some people were like, no, they're called citizens and saints. <laughs> and some people were like, no, they're citizens. And there's like this civil war. And I was like, no, their, their website bit- is literally, we are citizens. Like it says it. Like, <laughs> it says that. <laughs> it's yeah. like a sentence. Yeah. But then some people were like, no, 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 they were citizens. And now they're citizens and saints. And some people were like, no, they <laughs> were citizens <laughs> yeah. and saints. And now they're citizens. And it's, it's a big like, debate. No. Yeah. Everyone is right. Yeah. yeah, it's one of those fun situations. We've been it all. We've yeah. it, except for the people who thought you still were citizens and saints. You okay. guys were wrong. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah. there's a lot of rightness Stick happening it to in them, there. Yeah. yeah, talking about no, I'm not going to name names. <laughs> but but yeah. you know who you are. Yeah, something I uh, I've had a conversation with a buddy about you know the direction of worship and Christian music and all of that and him saying he he was saying to me that like culture lags. The popular music that churches are singing was like, you know, blasphemous 20 years ago, but now it's like entrenched. Where do you, where do you as a band kind of see what's coming on the horizon uh, for like worship music, for Christian music? What do you guys think is like, is it EDM with like uh, Stormtrooper helmets or? Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. You know, that's a good question. I, I think about that a lot. I mean, if I'm honest, there are times. So back when the band started, there was this big sort of pitch that Mark Driscoll was giving for all the all the bands, a part of Marcel Music. And I that language never really sat right with me because it was sort of like a um, we're going to take over the music christian music industry and it's sort of like us versus them sort of mentality take over in, in what way like uh, like all, everything like, else is bad and right. we're the only ones doing it doing it right huh. um that was sort of like the mentality at times and um and most of that was sort of the bent was on lyrics um and i don't i don't know i don't like playing that game like comparing it in that way what i know that i've seen though is it's it, it is interesting to me that so many movements have started with like younger people (laughs) and then it isn't until like the older generation kind of latches on that it kind of really gets some you know gain some ground so but i think about this a lot with citizens because we were um you know when it started like where we were at in seattle we were with a bunch of college kids you know like that, that i mean that was our church it was college students and so we could kind of do whatever we wanted because their musical tastes were pretty eclectic. So we didn't play by conventional rules of like, okay, this is what modern or popular worship music is doing, so we need to do it in that format. We just did it in the way that we liked it. And really what I think helped make... Um, and so on one hand, I love that. I love that, that that was like what we did, and there are amazing things that came from that, and our band probably wouldn't even exist or be what it is if it weren't for those moments together with, as a church. At the same time, sometimes I wonder, are we helping to perpetuate a culture of, uh, of performance and um, uh, creating experience within like the worship gathering rather than just uh, coming with our hands open and allowing God to just, I'm not saying there shouldn't be structure cause I'm a big fan of liturgy. Uh, but what I simply mean is that, um, in terms of like the modern rock thing, I just wonder if, um, if, if we're a little too, if we've gone a little too deep into that road as like the modern church. Um, 
And so what I personally could see happening is just sort of, um, I don't know, a revitalization of um, more simplistic arranging, perhaps, you know, I think could be kind of interesting. It seems like pop music is moving in that way. Even when you listen to like current pop songs, it's interesting to me, like how so many of them will be pretty simplistic in their instrumentation. Um, I think that that's happening a lot, like rather than having 25 synth sounds and all these different things, like people are learning the art of making one sound be huge or just really drive the song. I think that's happening in a lot of different ways, and that will probably affect, you know, church music too. Do you think it will be often or always centered around music? Like, do you think that music is entrenched in the experience of, like, God's people or um, uh, I think it is I yeah. mean I do because I mean I mean there's a lot of different ways you could look at it I mean you look at like sort of the um, I don't know I'm, I can't think of all of them but like the Christological hymns of um, like first John and John and I think Philippians 2 might be one too but you look at those and you know the early church was singing those um, like we read them but they were singing them um, and I think music has just been a part of our culture I always think about this like as a dad and when I see like you look at a there's a moment when a a baby or toddler getting into toddler age they become aware of music and it affects them and there is a song or there is something that happens that really like settles them and either brings peace <laughs> or gets them so excited and they want to dance and sing along to it and that's nobody's like teaching them that they're just doing that it's just naturally that's their response to it and i think that that's us as humans i think we get older and we get more self-aware and thinking about what other people are think you know perceiving of us and the way that we respond and interact but overall i think music is just has this natural thing to it because there's so many different thing beautiful things coming together of our, our keyboard player said this before i mean you have all these musical notes that a act in this mathematical way and then you're bringing in just like these different textures and layers of of instrumentation that can really move you and i think it's part of the reason why i actually I have moments and times when I'll go to other churches and I'll hear a song that's really popular and I, I step back and I wonder, okay, I don't, I'm not personally connecting with this song. And I, and I think the church more than, more than ever has to be really careful about how we use music because if music in a one-year-old can make them dance and move around, like it has the, pow it has the power to manipulate emotion. And so if people aren't, if we're not thinking about that and being careful of that, we're actually, my whole thing is just constantly like, just stop for a minute and think about what you're singing. Not, is it, you know, ex, you know, is it, you know, have you landed on the perfect doctrine or the perfect theology? Like that's, a, I think that's a silly game to play. I think what it is, but I do think there needs to be some clarity and I think there's, there needs to be foundation in it. And I think if that's not there, like there are songs I won't say which ones, but there's some songs that I hear. Oh, you can't do that, man. Oh, no, I can't. I can't do it because I don't want to do that because I don't want it to be come across as a, um, as, as a personal 
like yeah. attack against the people that have written those songs. And then the people who love it, they're like, oh, yeah. great, now I'm yeah, a heretic. Now, <laughs> yeah, now there's something wrong with me. But yeah. I do think there are certain songs that are popular right now that I question just the, I understand like as you're singing it and emotionally with the music and all the things that are going on, how it could feel like such a moment and so special. But I think if you take the music away and just read the lyrics, it's like, man, there's actually issues here with even just take theology out of it and just let's just, or not theology, take your theological preference out of it and your doctrinal preferences. And just, if we're just reading the Bible and just reading it literally, we're not even trying to like dig beneath the surface and figure out like what's, you know, what's really being said here. But if we're just reading it in a very literal, uh, just off the page sort of way, um, there are, there's a lot of clarity that comes through that. And there's more depth that comes as we sort of look at it from a law and gospel perspective and, 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 and go into, you know, prophetic scriptures that point to Jesus and all these different things. Like I get all that and that's important. That helps bring, provide depth to what we say and sing. Um, But I also think there's a lot of songs out there that are pretty much more like off the page. You know, they're just like, that's the text and we're gonna sing that. And I think sometimes it's, it's written in a way that's not actually true to what, the, to what it's actually saying, but it just happens to be the most popular worship song. And I think that that's a really interesting thing to me. Um, and I think that music, if I'm honest, plays a part in making everybody uh, okay with that song. Versus if you, if, if the music wasn't that, maybe, maybe they, you know, if it was a different arrangement, would they receive the song in the same way? I think music has the power to move in people in such a special way, and it has the power to manipulate. And I think the church is guilty of, of doing sometimes manipulating people and trying to create a moment with music rather than just um, having a little bit more, um, humility and understanding that as human beings and as people who really connect in that way let's let's show a bit of respect and understanding that this is this music has power but we also know these lyrics are what we're this is the focus of what we're trying to do as a church and so i, I my hope is just that people will um stop i think a lot of people like in big i don't know i think it's really common like i would act, honestly i'd be willing to bet that the majority of popular worship songs started with a very big focus on the music. And I think that it would just be cool to see that change and it become uh, a combination of like finding a lyric and music and marrying those two together in a way to where they're both (laughs) speaking the same language rather than trying to create like this big moment with like kind of a weird lyric. That, that means a lot to me, actually. I, I'm It's encouraging because I don't know if it's just like a season in my life, but I'm starting to find more bands uh, that are Christian that are making like really thoughtful, thought-provoking like music that contrasts to stuff that I think I, I grew up with. Like looking back, um, I like grew up, you know, in a Christian environment and I'd go to like the Christian bookstore and there'd be like, if you're into Blink-182, then listen to this, this band. Yeah. If you like Limp Bizkit, if you like Eminem, here's the <laughs> Christian version. Oh, yeah. oh, and yeah. I was so obsessed. I, I devoured music when I was a kid. I just wanted to listen to everything. And there was always this weird pull between me of like, oh, I should listen to Christian stuff because I'm a Christian, but I like the secular stuff and the Christian stuff just feels like 
kind of a b-side version feels yeah. like a limp Christian biscuit stuff. yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly yeah definitely <laughs> missing the mark a yeah and i like it, it was weird to me to under like understand like what what why it was it to me i don't know if you even had that experience uh, too or if you shared that but what was it about like the the music culture the christian music culture the industry that like just was focused on producing these like replicas of actual good music and i really wasn't getting much actual out of them. good music yeah i mean, <laughs> no, and, I mean and there were great bands back point. then too but yeah. um but yeah we're like what are you what are your thoughts on like the the christian music industry it's such a weird beast i mean it's the only genre that's like defined by its uh like content rather than its sound which is like a really weird thing too. yeah well and we were even saying like you can have a christian music station radio station and they play like lecrae sandy patty oh gosh like yeah. you know citizens all over the like, place and yeah. it's just like well, can we find a genre yeah. like <laughs> yeah but because it's christian it fits some yeah. so what yeah what do you think about the term christian music and like what pat is saying about that i think it's just a i i think it, it it's like a it's a crutch, the title, um, because, I mean, at the end of the day, I, I find it deeply offensive. Even my, like, I, I even offend my, I've offended myself when I listen back on certain things sometimes because I can see how my motivation wasn't to just, like, make pure, honest art, but it was actually wanting to impress people or get approval. And... I mean, you could say all you want, and I think there's this idea probably in the Christian music industry that they're not doing anything different, that different from pop music. But I, I do think that like a lot of pop music, while it is meant to be popular and <laughs> be successful, I, I think a lot of it though is entrenched in a lot of like pulling from other artistry and trying to figure out a way to like move people and get them excited about something. But the other, th- aspect of it though is I think in Christian music it's like well we're just going to rip off of this one artist that's doing this really well and so this is our Adele this is our um, this is our you know Kendrick this is our you know whoever you know and it's and I think what I really dislike about that mentality is it creates a it, it just cheapens what art is meant to be and I just think as Christians we should be we shouldn't be making, I'm not, it's not about, I've heard people say we should make the best art, but I don't, why are we, we shouldn't even use that word. We should just be making art. Mm. And if we're making the best, the most, and I don't mean for this to be offensive to anyone who does this, but I'm going to say it. It's sort of the equivalent of as if I'm a photographer and I've gone to school, I've studied it. I've just spent my whole life devoting myself to photography and I've gone through, you know, all the different gamuts of understanding film and digital. And I'm just, I love photography. And then along comes this other person who got a camera last week, a really nice DSLR, and they're going to start taking wedding photos. And because of Instagram and filters and all this different things, they can sort of make it look like they're at the same level. And I'm not saying they don't have the eye or they don't have the, the ability to do it. But my, my point just being that they kind of skipped a bunch of steps because the other people that went before them that actually did the work are what has, has helped to create like this style and this visual that is really appealing. 
I think it's the same thing in art. It's like we need to put the work in. And if we're just expecting that we're going to be able to turn on the computer and open up Logic and find a beat and then that, you know, oh, here's a cool riff. And then I'm going to write this really simple, you know, lyric. It's like about God. Um, I think all those things are fine and people have probably made a lot of money doing that. Uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that's art. I think that that's just commercialization. And so I, the biggest turnoff for me with the Christian music industry is, um, you know, I've, I've, most of the people I've met in the industry, great people, you know, personally. Um, but I do think that they're, um, I think there's a, a level of like convincing yourself that what you're doing is somehow different or what you're doing um, isn't business first, but it is, it is that. And I think when it's business first, it, it's it's not it's probably not going to be like a very beautiful representation of art and, and and a representation of who you are. I've had conversations with people where they'll say, "I wrote this song," and it's you know you know they're with a label that's trying to push it to Christian radio and all that stuff, and they share it to me. And they're like, "Yeah, I wrote this song about a really hard time in my life." I had a conversation with a friend about this years ago, and it's like, "Oh man, this doesn't sound like I wouldn't have known at all that you went through a hard time in your life." Like, what do you mean? And we had a good conversation about it. And I was just like, if you're going to say this is about a hard time in your life, like talk about it, like give me something to go on. Like, otherwise it's just the equivalent of just saying, oh yeah, I have a really big prayer request. It's an unspoken, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> one of those where you're yeah. like, okay, yeah, well yeah. let's pray for this thing that Whatever Jim doesn't want us to know, but you know, God. Yeah. Um, oh. So anyway, I think that that's kind of what Christian music is. It's like a bunch of unspokens and general like pl like platitudes and, and, and things that are meant to placate people. And I think that that's fine. But I mean, at the end of the day, as an artist, I just feel like I don't care what genre my music exists in. Like, I don't care if Christians like it or people. Uh, really, I want people as well that aren't Christians to like my music. Not because I want them to like my music, I because I believe in the st my story and where I've come from. And I, I've heard so many stories from different people. Just met some people a couple weeks ago. They're like, yeah, your music, God, like, used your music. I mean, like, to save save me and my husband. Like we just were going through a really hard time. Someone gave us one of your CDs and we just started listening to it and then just listening to it on repeat, on repeat, on repeat, on repeat. And God just opened our eyes. I was just like, whoa, that's crazy, you know? Yeah, and so I see what we do is, and that's not, and for me, that's not, I'm writing for the church. It's just that I'm a Christian and I'm an artist. And if I disassociate the two and say, all right, I'm going to be an artist over here and do whatever I want and try and be cool to the people that aren't Christians. And then I'm going to do like the Christian thing over here and use the Christian language. It's like, I'm just being two different people. I'd rather just, I think if I'm a Christian, it has to, it has to influence everything that I make. Um, not even, not even necessarily intentional, but just subconsciously it just, it just does because it's who I am. Yeah. It's just an outpouring. One of the things that you've, uh, you mentioned earlier is a really important distinction. It's like making good, honest art versus like just doing, you know, what the people want. And I think that every creative uh, struggles with this. I know we've even talked about it with our work is that, okay, you kind of have a job. You have to produce this thing. Uh, people should like it. But also you, you know, you want to create art and you want it to be honest and, and vulnerable yeah. and want it to be real and not just a product to like satiate people. How do you wrestle with that tension when you are producing music? How do you know when you're leaning too much to be like, I'm just doing this because it's popular? And 
keep yourself, I guess, honest in, in making good, you know, vulnerable, real art. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> okay. So I produce other artists too. And, um, you know, the past year I've been working on one record with a guy who he's a Christian, but he's making a record that's like not that at all. It's like meant to be, so it, it, his whole goal is to make a, like a pop record, you know? Um, he's a big like Harry Styles and <laughs> One Direction, all, all those guys. He's like been, inf he's like part of that generation. He's cut from that cloth. And so it's like, I'm listening to all these different bands. And as I'm writing and creating something, I'm like, I'm, I'm not writing and, and creating with him because I'm like, oh, we got to make something that people love. I'm having fun as I'm doing it, you know, because I'm, I feel like we're working on something. He wants to write a love song. All right, well, let's write a love song. Let's let's talk about, like, let's let's find something that, let's create an image. Let's give somebody, like, a story. But then on the other side, I'm working with an, a former Marcel band called Ghost Ship on their record, and we're writing lots of different songs that are corporate, songs that corporate in nature for church singing but then there's also just personal stories and it's like i love that process the same process it's like with carter who's making the pop thing it's like all right what are you trying to say here you know like i don't even that sounds so gen generic you know you're talking about love let's say something for real with them working with cam okay you're okay you, you're wanting to 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 talk about um uh trying to think of a song um the the power of of God's of God's might okay so it's like all right let's go there let's let's you know let's talk about this in a way that's true to who you are and not worry about whether or not it's it's too specific but it's your story let's just let it be what it is there's you know you'll write thousands more songs maybe in your life who knows so let's just not focus in on this one thing is like it's going to be the song um, so I think that that to me is like the thread that I've seen in both worlds is just um, what I personally gravitate to, to, and this doesn't have to be true for everyone because I don't think it, it is, and I don't think they need to feel like it, they need to do it this way. But for me, I just love telling stories. I love telling honest stories, and I love drawing that out of people that I work with um, in music. And I think that as Christians, our life is one giant story of ups and downs, of heartache, of victories, of suffering, of joy. And... Um, I think we should tell those stories because that's who we are as human beings. And that's from what I've seen, you know, in Seattle, that's a pretty appealing thing. One, uh, I actually have two questions. They're completely disconnected. So that's always good. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, the one question I have is, uh, we talked a little bit about the church and music, but um, like creatives and artists, like the church needs artists to be painting to be mm. you know doing all of the the creative work to um, ex to expound explain to glorify all the awesome things that God is doing and I wonder in in your neck of the woods in Seattle and in your experience is that something that um, you think the church is doing a good job with uh, is it something we need to encourage more of and they're maybe not doing such a good yeah. job with or i mean i've always heard it said that seattle is a lot like or canada is a lot like seattle in general just a lot of people that you know aren't familiar with the church or have a pretty strong disdain towards it um that's true and so yeah <laughs> i mean i've heard that a lot and just different 
different friends that are throughout the, you know, throughout Canada. And I think Seattle right now is in a weird place of people are really afraid to talk about, even I was talking to a friend the other day about this, how even at church sometimes people are afraid to just talk about God. That's so interesting. And I've just been intrigued by that, you know, because I think that um, the, the general idea, I think when you live in a place that's like Seattle, that's pretty, at least in our country right now, you have, you know, it's very divided. You choose a side politically and whatever side you choose politically also represents what you believe, (laughs) you know, uh, just generally speaking what you believe in regards to who God is. And it just gets really messy that way. And so I think people have become afraid to just say, yeah, I, I'm an artist and I love Jesus, you know. Um, and I, I, I think that that's something that I'm realizing that I need to even do a better job of in Seattle. It's just I don't feel that sense of fear, but I think if you're around people enough to where you're kind of not talking about God as a part of your life, it's easy to just sort of become, to get sort of sucked into that cultural habit of, yeah, we're gathered as Christians, but we're not really cool talking about God right now. It's it's so strange to me. I also think a lot of it is just people, <laughs> we're doing a podcast right now, but I think people, uh, there's a lot of podcasts out there that I think are challenging the view, like traditional views of like theology and faith. And I think if that's like your only way of processing it is just listening to someone talk to you about it and you're not doing that with other people that think different from you, um, then I think that's going to be pretty easy for you to kind of just be like, oh, man, that sounds awesome. I'm just going to go with that. So I think in Seattle, even right now, a lot of people are sort of questioning God altogether. You know, people that still identify as Christians, but questioning like really key fundamental parts of like what we've believed as a church for many years. <clears throat> and so I just think that that's affecting how people view art in the church, you know, and uh, for someone who lives in a really conservative place or in the Bible Belt or around a bunch of Christians, they probably don't feel this. But I think that in 10 years, they'll, they will, because there'll be more and more people that um, unless there's unless there's a willingness for more people to sort of speak openly about about God and have conviction in their voice, but not try and I think the heart. I mean, you think about in a relationship, um, and you have a conflict, uh, or like with my wife and I, if I try and be the Holy Spirit in that and try and tell her what she should do or she tries to tell me what I need to do in order to fix this thing. It's like I could do that, but it doesn't necessarily mean there's going to be anything really productive down the road that happens. And I think it's kind of like that right now, at least where we are. It's just sort of like, well, you need to believe this. You need to do that. And for the people that are basically in the in the on the in the spot of questioning a lot of like traditional theology that they grew up with, it's sort of like they're in the a lot of those people are in the place of everyone's wrong and all those Christians are stupid. And I think that that's really dumb. But then you have on the flip side, people that are like, well, all those people that, you know, are taking or viewing this one aspect of scripture now different than I do. Well, they're not Christians at all. They're heretics. And I just think that's not helpful either. And so there's like this really interesting divide that's happening. And I think, you know, it's not, there's not a whole lot of like productive art that's coming out of that (laughs) because the focus is on, is not on let's create 
like let's let's tell our story of what we're learning in faith through music i think it's just sort of like all battle social media kind of stuff the second question i had i i would i could dive into that for a long time (laughs) (laughs) but is uh so as creatives ourselves one of the things that we battle with is um defining success Hmm. And like, when are you done? When, so uh, the way I talk about it with my team, I see this, most of my work has been for the last 10 years with video production. And, uh, and so there's a battle always between production and then distribution. And mm. I've always said to my team, just make the pretty thing mm. and let someone else figure out how to distribute it. Because yeah. I'm like, all we care about is being artists and creatives yeah. and building it. And, but then like there's other people on our team, thank God for them who are like, no success also needs to work yeah. in the distribution yeah. angle. And like, if no one ever sees the pretty thing or hears the pretty thing, then mm. why did you make it? And so, um, wrestling back and forth with how do we define success in the producing of, of art? How do we define success in, in distributing or getting it out there? Um, what have, what have you guys found to be the balance between, you know, this is the art that we love to make and we love this record versus like, does anyone buy it? Does anyone listen to it? Like, how do you, how do you strike that balance? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's probably some, um, I'm sure there's ways that we can relate on this, but you know, it's kind of like when you're working on something and you've been working on it for a while and you sort of get to the end of it or what you think is the end because you're just so ready for people to see it. So you're like, let's just, I just want to be done with it. I just want people to see it. And so you kind of just like rush the, you kind of like tie it together real quick and then go to, you know, all right, let's, how do we get it? Let's just put it up online tonight. And it's like, whoa, wait a second. You've been working on this for six months and now all of a sudden you're just going to like release it like this. And I think it's the same thing with music. Um, you spend a lot of time writing a song, pouring a lot of effort into it, and then you get to the end and you're really excited about it. Um, and you're just like, all right, I just want people to hear it. And so I'm just gonna throw it out there. And a lot of times nobody hears it. So I think defining success for me or for the band has just been, um, I, it's easy, it used to be really easy to get sucked into like numbers and stats that you get of, oh, this number of people are listening to our music or like it. But over time, I think what we've just realized is like, we have to make, we have to love what we do first. Do we love it? Do we love it? Okay, if we love it, then other people will too. Maybe not tons of people, but other people will love love it too. And that's pretty satisfying if you're, if like you're content with whatever that number is. But I've also been in situations even with citizens where we were defining success on our first record did really well, so let's make a second record. And having pressure from outside sources or like, you need to do this. And every song we'd write would be like, yeah, I don't know if this could work for radio. Okay, let's change this. And all these different things that happen. And so I actually, I, I, I thankfully I see a lot of really good on that on our second record and I'm grateful to have done it, but it's my least favorite thing we've done because I feel like the whole aspect of it was just about like distributing it and getting it to 
make something that everybody likes rather than making something that we loved first. And so I think since then, it's just been a very, I just learned that more and more. It's like, all right, if you love what you're making, like if you really feel like what you've made is is valuable and important to you, then it will be important to other people. And of course, there's always going to be that other thing that you could change. And I think, or that other tweak that you can make, and that's probably the hardest part is knowing when it's done. Um, but I think especially working in a group, you can sometimes know. Like we just had this recently. We had an artist that's painting our next album cover. And she did this first thing that she sent me. And I was just like, oh my gosh, that's incredible. This is going to be great. The next thing you're going to send me is going to be even more incredible. And then after that, it's just going to keep getting better, isn't it? And she kept sending things, and I just wasn't loving it, you know? And she kept sending other things, and I was loving it. And then eventually I just call her, and I'm like, that first thing you sent me, I know it was an accident, and you're just screwing around, but, like, that is my favorite thing, and I love that. That's what our album needs to be. And I just think there's something about, like, that trusting like your gut i guess and that initial inspiration and not overthinking it and i think if you're in the trying to stay in the process of like not thinking too much about what other people will how they'll receive it but just am i connecting myself to this emotionally um i've always found it to be a lot easier to to find when it's like all right we're at a good point because i'm not allowing outside sources to to influence what what it's going to be but you guys uh this new album was kickstarted right it was do you think there's something behind like the way that this album came together that gave you the freedom to to write it um, the way that you did? Like somewhat, yeah. people just kickstarting and believing in it before yeah. it even comes out. Yeah, does that like does that put pressure? Or does that give you freedom? Complete freedom because it's just it's crazy. I mean, when you I think there was thirteen there's thirteen hundred maybe more I can't remember but the exact number but there was at least thirteen hundred people that backed the record and when you think about that. It's like, man, they evidently really believe in this and what we do. And they aren't thinking, you know, they know hardly anything about what the next record will be, but they're ready to back it because they believe in it. Like that to me is really encouraging because it gives you the freedom to just, all right, cool. Like they're trusting us. Like they took a risk in supporting this. And in doing so, they, they're expecting us to take the same risk and keep doing things that, you know, are hopefully different from the last record and, you know, talking about things that, you know, are true to maybe what we're currently living in and all that kind of stuff. And so that's, that's pretty helpful <laughs> to have, you know, versus a music label when you just have like two people you're working with, a couple, a team of people. It's different when you have like your music label is 1300 people that just backed the record and they believe in what you do. It's like, all right. Yeah. That, that's kind of like having, you know, you know, like 1,300 proud parents, <laughs> you know, it makes you feel like you could go and, you know, you're four foot ten and you could go, you know, dunk on a 12-foot rim. You know, that's what it makes you feel like. Yeah, I love that. I am starting to notice how uh, it, it keeps art honest, like we were talking about earlier, even like with podcasts and journalism, people distrust to journalism, like by the big media companies. And then you have these podcasts come up that are crowdfunded by people who believe in them and they're accountable to the people who have supported them directly. So it's one of those things that's coming up now that people can fund what they love directly. And it just kind of creates something more unique, vulnerable, real. It's special. Yeah. It's a cool, it's a really unique way to connect with people. Um, especially when you think about the fact that, um, I don't know. I think it was like Seth Godin that wrote the whole tribes idea, but you know, it's like you find that, you know, pocket of people that really believe in what you do. I mean, that's, that's how like, 
you know, if you if you focus on those people, there's a really special relationship that comes through that. So we've seen evidence of that through this Kickstarter, which is really cool. That's awesome. I have uh, so much more that I want to talk about, um, but, but we're coming up on uh, the end of yeah. uh, our time. Yeah, we here. want to save your voice. For yeah, the yeah. Thing we actually yeah. For that thing. For, for the that thing small that, thing that you came all yeah. the way here to do. <laughs> I mean, I'm loving this, but yeah. it's great. Yeah, let's do it again. We uh, we make a habit of giving our guests the last word, and so we just throw it wide open. Is there anything you want to say about music or culture, or the band, or um, you can plug your album. You can you can do whatever you want. Um, awesome. I would just say that I think that every person, you know, for any person that's listening to this podcast, like you have dignity that God's given you as a human being. Um, you didn't need to do anything to earn that, um, or or to. You don't need to. You don't need. You don't even need to prove to anybody that you're you've been given dignity. God. God created you in his image and he's given you belonging in that way as a human. And then um, for anyone who follows Jesus, it's like he's given you belonging as a son and a daughter. And for anyone who is seeking to understand who God is, he, like, there is belonging um, and a family um, uh, through Jesus. And I just think that if you're an artist, you don't need to worry about how your faith will affect what you make um, or, or how uh, you don't need to worry about how if other people will, will think that you're just a crazy person because your faith is a part of what you make like don't worry about that the majority of people even the people that aren't Christians they'll they'll just believe you <laughs> and I can't think of something I can't think of something more gratifying as an artist than to know that people believe you um, that what you're making <laughs> like is striking a chord in someone, even if they don't necessarily agree or relate to you and what you believe in regards to God, they, at the very least, they believe you as a human being and they're showing you dignity in that. And so I think that there's something to that and just know it's not that we're all like unique, I don't know, cookies or gingerbread men and we can all go out with our different colors and stuff like that and just think that we're all, you know, each gonna somehow create the next apple um, that's, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just simply saying you have belonging, um, and a family and out of that belonging, create beautiful things and know that, that they'll speak to someone, even if it's just one person and that mattered and, um, and just be okay with that. Great. Well, thank you so much for coming here for sharing that with us and for being willing to you know step into this uh, uh little closet that we're in here to talk about it's a great uh, closet it's a great room it's been great uh it's one of my favorite rooms in this building now <laughs> good memories here uh, but really appreciate you sharing about uh, your thoughts on you know culture and music and art um and christianity it's been helpful for me cool. yeah. thank you guys yeah, I'm really looking forward to the show tonight, especially bringing my my kid. Mm. He's a he's a drummer and yeah. uh he Bought himself his own kit with newspaper oh, money, and like he's so good. And, I love it. and like my wife had his 
I'm like going, I'm doing my own last word here, but my wife has a, a music degree. And so she taught him like all the percussion stuff she knew. And like a week later he was better than her. And like, no <laughs> and so, so I'm like, I wanted to introduce him to, That's so good. Yeah, I'd love to meet him. yeah, but thanks so much for being here, Zach. And, uh, looking forward to the show. This episode of Undiscussed was produced by Patrick Erskine and Eric Humphrey. Editing done by Ben Skinner, and the music was produced by Ian Post. Go to p2c.sh undiscussed to find more episodes, show notes, and information about our podcast. That's p2c.sh undiscussed. Also, remember to subscribe if you like what you hear, and you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at UndiscussedPod, all one word. If you've got feedback for us, don't leave it undiscussed. Next time on Undiscussed. I think it's one, it's, it's connecting those dots. The person says, well, I have never done A, B, and C. You know what I'm saying? Well, I've never called somebody a racial slur to their face. You might be right, you know what I'm saying, but you're, you know, in using the, the Canada 150, it's like, well, cool, yeah, you've never, you've never heard a First Nations person, but where's your house? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's on someone else's land. You just aren't acknowledging that that's not yours. You know what I'm saying? And for 150 years, haven't. You understand what I'm saying? So, uh, so that sort of like, you're participating in a larger thing whether you like it or not, you are.